Welcome to the Working Women's Channel. My name is Clara Capano, and we're gonna share the real secrets to success. Come on in. Welcome, welcome to today's edition of the Working Women Channel. I am Clara Capano, and I am so excited to have my Power Her guest today. So, Brittany Canterbarb, thank you so much for joining us all the way from Miami today. Oh, Clara, thank you so much to be on this amazing platform that you've created. Listening through the episodes, you have featured so many amazing women that have just conquered the impossible. And so it is an honor to hang out with you. Well, thank you so much. And, you know, you and I have not met personally, but, you know, we both have this drive and this passion to make sure that women are not holding back their power and knowing that, you know, when we speak up and when we take those actions, you know, the world opens up to us. So I'm really excited to dive in and and hear your story today. Oh, oh, can't wait to share as much as we can in the short amount of time we have. (laughs) Exactly. So, you know, the point of this whole talk is to allow women, regardless of where they are, what their age is, whatever it is, that they always know that they can succeed. And, you know, we know that the road to success is not always an easy one. There can be a lot of twists and turns and ups and downs. Can you think about a time in your life when you were on your journey to success, maybe where you hit something either in your personal life or professional life, and how did you overcome that? Oh, you mean like earlier today or yesterday? Like in the last 30 minutes, you know? (laughs) Yeah, no, Claire, I'm so glad that you bring this up because I feel like this is something that is not communicated enough, especially amongst women, more so than men. And because we get this idea through media, through society, through so many things that it shouldn't be bumpy, mm-hmm. right? Just in, just manifest it and it happens or just believe in it. Just vision it. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. And it's never like that. And so many of us, because we've been taught since we were small children as women, we should be perfect. We should be accommodating. We should be obedient, even Ugh. Mm-hmm. like all of these things. And so when things do go awry, we're like, that's where the imposter syndrome comes from. I'm a failure. I did it. And so I make it my mission as well to talk about everything that I screwed up in my career. And I remember the first big quote unquote, big failure at the time. I thought it was huge. It was the best thing that ever happened to me now. But I remember in my early twenties, I had landed in a very big, quote unquote, big girl job. And I was doing it that traditional patriarchal white dude way that I like to say, you know, just mimicking the boardroom that I saw. And I went, carried on like that for a couple of years. And I was working 75, 80 hours a week. I wasn't sleeping well. I wasn't eating well. Um, I had completely forgotten about any personal relationship. And I remember driving into work and all of a sudden my entire body starts shaking uncontrollably. And I had no clue what was going on. Luckily I worked in healthcare at the time, but the whole right side of my body went numb. My heart's beating out of my chest and I legitimately think I'm dying. Mm -hmm. Uh, But because being the stubborn creatures we are, I drive finally into the hospital where I was stationed and I go into the CNO's office. I don't even go into the ER where I should (laughs) have went. You know, I go to the CNO that hasn't practiced medicine in forever And, you know, they put me through every test possible. And it turns out I had literally worked myself into a legitimate nervous breakdown. 
Yeah. Completely. And so that for me was the first time of hitting what I thought was rock bottom at that mm-hmm. time. So I really evaluated. It's like, okay, this isn't going to work. I am like watering down who I am. I'm working myself to death and I'm going to end up dead, divorced, or, you know, all of the above. Right. And so it was at that time that I realized, and I really gave the finger to that traditional corporate ladder and said, you know what? I'm not going to do it that way. Mm-hmm. And from that point forward, I absolutely thrived. And I actually enjoyed life. And was it hard? Of course, it was hard at times. But that's what was the probably the first really important failure and when it was super messy. Yeah. So I want to unpack this a little bit because what you're saying has so much power to it. And I think can really help a lot of people. My story was very similar. You know, I was all about checking off the boxes. And because I was chasing that, you know, I, again, worked myself into the ground. Same thing, had the burnout and everything. But the thing that I hear from so many women is, I don't know how, I can't. You know, I can't cut back on my hours. Um, I have to show up and work these hours. You know, it's not possible. And it's easy for you and I to kind of call bullshit on this because we're on the other side. But, you know, what were some of the things that you did, not just for you, but to communicate to those around you that this was not going to be okay and you weren't going to do this because when you show up for several years, putting in 70 to 80 hours a week, it's hard to backtrack from that. Oh, it's, it's super hard. And I, I would go as far as in the same position and same organization, it's damn near impossible mm-hmm. because it's all of a sudden you're transitioning into a totally different person. Yeah. Um, so what I did is, you know, once I had, of course, all that breakdown, I went through all the therapy, all the Reiki, all the yoga, everything, you name it, I bought it to try. Mm-hmm. And what I really started taking inventory of is who said that I have to work this many hours? Who actually said that I have to say yes to every single project that was assigned? Yeah. And so the the main strategy that I found is, I mean, that is a learned mindset that takes years and years and years. I, I mean, hell, I have to stand in front of the mirror and remind myself of that every day. But what I notice is women in business is if you're being asked to do something and it does not contribute to the top three objectives of the organization, that is your very objective way to say no if you haven't commanded the mindset yet to do it on your own terms. Mm-hmm. So as long as you're bringing that back to money, so how does it benefit the organization? How does it contribute to those three objectives for you to work 80 hours a week? Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. And that's what it is. Again, you've got to get really clear. But then I also think, and you know, you work with a lot of women in the corporate executive field, you know, teaching them the power of delegation. And I think that the misnomer is that when we have that corner office, we have all these assistants around us. But sometimes I think it's those women that hold on to the things even tighter and have a problem with delegating. So what would be some advice? Because I'm sure you had to learn to let go of some things as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is so many layers here to unpack in that. Um, You know, I think the short answer to that is men delegate every day and feel no shame about it. Um, women on the other side, the majority of women that I work with, whether the, you know, they're cisgender women or women that have transitioned, this is something that society continues to tell us in many subliminal ways that you should do it all. 
mm-hmm. that you have to be perfect at everything. You have to be the perfect wife, the perfect mother, the perfect boss. Mm-hmm. And in turn, we feel like delegating is asking for help. And we feel like delegating is saying, I can't do it. When in actuality, it's complete opposite of that. Oh my gosh, you are just laying that out. And I really hope our listeners heard that because I think you really hit on something so truthful. We have been programmed to think that when we delegate something out internally, it's because we can't do it. And we think that's a weakness when delegating actually allows us to do the right things, which is a strength. Oh, absolutely. It's completely our superpower. It is. In so many ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so many. So on your path, what were some of the things that you had to trade off? What were some of the things that you personally had to let go of? It Not just working the hours, but and how did you make it all work? Oh, I mean, I think that varied depending on where I was at in life, mm-hmm. right? I mean, because different priorities would come up. I think the the biggest trade-off was there were times that I had to put in those kind of hours to actually invest in a team that I could delegate to. Mm-hmm. A big trade-off was is 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 making sure I did the the work and commanding the mindset of when I was interviewing someone that I didn't bring on the fix-it cases or the good enough right? Mm-hmm. Which so many of us as women, we like to fix, we like to nurture, we like to take care. Yeah. Um, so that was something that was huge. But until I got to that point, I had to spend a lot of weekends working. I had to spend a lot of holidays mm-hmm. working. I has, and I had to make a lot of mistakes and then rebound from those mistakes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I picked up and moved four different times to four different states wow. as well to make sure that I climbed as fast as I did because I was very strategic and t- intentional about how I wanted my corporate career to pay off because mm-hmm. the end goal was always power, you know, starting my organization. Mm-hmm. So I think the, you know, what really comes down to trade-offs is where you're at and where, what is going to bring you the highest ROI, not only in your professional life, but your personal. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they don't, don't go hand in hand. Right. And I think, you know, sometimes you have to let go in the short run to get it in the long run. And, you know, sometimes this idea of having it all means that you can't have it all right now, you know, and, and that's okay. And learning to accept that. I want to back up though, to your concept of you had to move and that was part of being strategic. Talk to me a little bit about that. Like, how did you sort of come up and, you know, work on that strategy? Because I think a lot of people don't, first of all, don't have the vision, but then don't have the strategy either. Yeah, well, I was fortunate enough to run people management HR for the 16 years that I was in corporate. And so I saw a lot of things behind the scenes and how business let's be honest, really works. And so I actually changed roles every 12, 18 to 24 months on a purpose. And the reason that I did that is one, that's how you're going to make a hell of a lot more money. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is how one loyalty or two loyalty is not rewarded. It's really not in this day and age. I mean, And so that's why I did that that way. But that's how I could take my corporate career and actually make sure that it worked for women for all walks of life. Mm -hmm. Because the more I moved, the more times I got to build teams and the more industries that I got to do it in. Um, So I think that that is a huge takeaway for anyone that's, you know, I've been here for five years. I don't understand why I'm not getting recognition. I don't understand why I'm not getting paid more. And it's because you're a sure thing. I mean, you think about it just like the dating world, right? Or in any personal relationship, I love tying it back to relationships because they're the same concept. Well, if you're always showing up and you're never asking for anything in return, the other person's going to keep letting you give. 
Wow. I, you know, I had not thought about it in that perspective, but that is really powerful because again, going back to, you know, sort of the traditional thought process, if somebody looks at your resume, you know, I remember putting my resume together and they were like, you don't want gaps and you don't want to seem like you're moving every year and a half because that's going to work against you. It's going to show up that you're difficult to work with or that you have problems, but you're actually saying strategically, it actually works to your favor. As long as you go in there and you dominate with the results. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Who cares if you stay 12 or 18 months, if you're going to blow it out of the water and you make sure that you do that. And that's exactly how I responded. Cause I had everywhere that say, wait a second, you chop, you hop around a lot. You're that traditional job hopper. It's like, absolutely. I am. You give me a reason to stay. Here's the results I can pull off in the time that I think I'll be here. Yeah. And I also think the strategy of, you know, you're leaving to go one step up and you're leaving, you know, to do that growth and bringing, you know, bringing it all together. So I love it. So tell me a little bit about your organization and what your organization focuses on for women. Yeah. I mean, what I discovered in corporate and I ran all the coaching and consulting programs, you know, we would bring the coaches in and I went through coaches, I think like underwear during those 16 <laughs> years, because, you know, I either have someone that would talk me in circles or someone that would only consult and what I discovered is what I really needed is a woman that had sat in that boardroom and was interrupted, was asked to take notes or was asked to wear something sexy because the board was coming in. Like all of those things that had actually lived it and could give back. And so when I, you know, I found that maybe twice in my corporate career that th these coaches actually understood it. Right. But once I realized that this is what we need, and just like we're doing today, sharing what will, but more importantly, what will not mm -hmm. work with other people. And so that's when I developed the power formula for success. And that's commanding, demanding, and landing our power yeah. because it's not enough to teach you how to, you and I could talk about time management, all day long, but until we command the mindset to set and hold boundaries, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what we put on the calendar. It's never exactly. going to work. And a lot of it, I think going back to what you said earlier, it's unpacking the traditional way, because again, you have to truly believe that your time is valuable. You have to really have a strong conviction for knowing who you are and where you want to go and that value that you bring, because until you know that you can't manage your time. You know, and that was something that I, I I didn't understand for years. I just gave my time out because I prided myself on being available. But we have to remember that when you're overly available, you kind of become unavailable. And you have to really, again, value that for yourself first before you can, you know, command it for others. Um, Want to talk a little bit about, you know, the mindset, because I just think there is so much fear for women to speak up. So what are some of the things that you would encourage women to do maybe as a starting point to help them rework that, you know, mindset that they have and that mantra that they have of, I can't do this. I can't speak up to, I have a right to. Oh, yes. I mean, and this is something throughout our programs. Each of our programs are six months long for this exact reason. And this is something that you'll practice every single day. But every single woman that comes into our program, the very first thing that I work with her on or someone on my team is we have her write out why she's better at her job 
than anyone else. And we have her write that out. And the first time it's always like, well, you know, I'm really good at finance or I'm really good at marketing. I'm like, no lady. I mean, you throw those shoulders back, you know, really arrogant, really cocky. And we have her write that out. And then I have her put that on her bathroom mirror. And every single morning I say, I want you to stand in that bathroom and say that with so much conviction, Mm -hmm. so much arrogance that you just, it feels yucky. I want mom, dad, kids running down the hall being like, man, I think mom's losing her mind. (laughs) (laughs) And if you say that over and over and over, just like the company you keep, you start to believe that. Right. I mean, so that is the simplest exercise, but I've seen the highest rate of return, not only for myself, but for others. Yeah. And then over time, all of these other things will start coming. The how-to will actually become more natural mm-hmm. and you'll actually land your power by being able to absolutely demand what you're worth. Yeah. And I think you're so true because if we don't know our value and if we don't believe that we're worth it, nobody else is too. So by doing those affirmations, those mantras, it's training again, our non-conscious brain to find the truth behind it. And it does take some time, but when, and there's no shame. And this is another thing. I think so many of us, you know, and I I'll bring it back to Marianne Williamson, her poem, our deepest fears, which I'm sure, you know, as well, you know, she says our deepest fear is that we're powerful beyond measure. But we're told from a young age, if we highlight ourselves and if we say, no, I'm really good at this, we're being conceited, we're being egotistical. And it's, again, reframing that to why can't I be beautiful? Why can't I be powerful? Why can't I honor my own strengths? And, you know, we have to, again, just sort of change the script and give everybody permission to be okay with it. Because when you're coming from a place of, owning your power because you want to deliver value. I'm the best at what I do, so I can help you be the best at what I do. Why is that bad for me to stand up and say that? But again, it's that years and years of reprogramming. And you're so true. And then the difference in the programming is at such a young age, you know, here in the, the States, especially. And it's because even if you look at sports, Right. I mean, men are conditioned from a very, very small age to boast, to Mm -hmm. I am the best. I'm the one that got all of these points in this game. Right. Or I'm all of these competitive things. And then as women, we are competing. Don't get me wrong. Society loves to pit pit us against each other, but it's it's very much frowned upon. So whenever you're grown up, no matter how independent, powerful our parents are and other women in our lives, this is a really hard thing to really unstick and rid ourselves of. Absolutely. It's so true. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, uprooting and moving. You mentioned that you moved four times. You know, that's hard to do. It it wears on you. Um, I think as we get older, it's harder for us to make friends in new areas. So what were some of the things that you did to protect your person and to be able to plant yourself so that you could thrive on a human level in all these new areas? Yeah. I mean, I'm naturally an extrovert. Surprise, surprise. I'm sure no one listening could imagine (laughs) that such a thing. Um, So I am the person you can throw in any room. And I literally, I am that person that's sucking energy out of everyone else because that's what fuels my tank. Right. Um, So I have to say that that was my privilege and that was my advantage, which made it super simple. But my partner throughout that time, he is the opposite of that. 
he's extremely introverted and to drag him, you know, across the country four times was extremely challenging. So I had to one empower what made me different of being so extroverted and be that person for the relationship. But at the same time, I had to recognize this was a privilege. This Mm -hmm. was something that allowed me to thrive that not everyone had. And so I had to be super mindful of, you know, not scheduling something every single night to meet new friends Mm -hmm. in our new town and saying, let's do this twice a week. And then we'll go out and explore the town, just us together. I like that. Yeah, because you're right. I mean, uprooting like that and starting over that many times. And in you know, this is my last, <laughs> hopefully final love South Florida, <laughs> never want to leave. But it, it is something that you have to be super mindful of, because I think so many people set off on this new adventure. And they don't, they, all they want to do is chase the high, which is something I talk about a lot with, with my clients of chasing like this euphoria feeling instead of having that be something that's actually sustainable. Yeah. And I think that sustainability is key because if it's always ups and downs and ups, again, not only is that exhausting, but that's where we start doubting ourselves and wondering. And it's, it's really, again, getting that consistency and that sustainability factor in. Yeah. I love that. So, you know, you have your organization, you have your podcast. There's so many things that you are still doing. Um, You know, your journey is nowhere near done. So what is the next big thing for you? Oh, the next big thing is I'm also a speaker. I'm at, you know, I currently speak, but I have a book that I will be releasing in Q1 of next year. Of course, like, you know, everyone else, you had to put your thoughts down. But my, my goal in that is to be able to share the message with even more women, right? Anything we can do to get in front of them. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, like everyone else, you know, as a female entrepreneur, the the, pay, the gender pay gap is so huge. Um, when you look at that. Um, and so my goal is to completely surpass that and, and show other women eventually how they can do the exact same thing, but then give back the way that so many women that have created extreme wealth do much more uh, than their male counterparts. Yeah. And I, I, I firmly believe in it. And I know, you know, for both of us talking, this is one of the reasons we do what we do as far as speaking, podcasting is to be able to do that, give back because our stories can help others. And again, when we start to share, we all become stronger. So I think it's so beautiful. Can you share the title of your book or are we not ready to launch that yet? Not quite yet, but I would love to, but there is just so many things, you know, but it is certainly on brand and something that people can take and get an ROI on immediately. And it's not something you have to read through a ton of theory to get to. Yeah. Well, you'll have to be sure to let me know so I can float it out there to all of our, our viewers and listeners so that they can pick it up as well. So in starting to kind of close all this out, you know, what would be maybe one one message that you would really want to leave with, you know, not only today's woman, but tomorrow's woman as she embarks on her journey to success? Oh, yes. I mean, I think the the number one thing is reclaiming who you are authentically. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is really getting back to who we are, why we are the way we are and not water down anything that makes us feel a little uncomfortable. So for myself, this was any time I was in a meeting and I thought, I, I want to speak up. That was the initial gut mm-hmm. reaction. But then I had all those gremlins creep in saying, no, Brittany, you're not supposed to do that. You've been told you're way too dominant already. You've already been told you're aggressive, all of these (laughs) things. So the number one key message is to reclaim your authentic self. And how you do that is you trust your gut because lady, I swear it's never led you astray. Yep. We have to bet on ourselves and we have to start listening to that. So that's awesome. 
And, you know, we're going to put all of your contact information in the show notes, but tell us really quick, where's the best place for us to reach out and find you? Absolutely. Well, just like this amazing podcast that you have, you know, would love for the listeners to come on over as well and subscribe to the Power House. We certainly complement each other's brands and any more way that we can help empower all of your listeners to give even more messages and to share this episode with everyone that you know and every other woman that needed to hear it. Love it. That is so fantastic. Well, you know, Brittany, it has just been so great having you here. You know, you have really laid a solid foundation, not just for yourself, but you're paving the way for, you know, women everywhere to own their power. And, you know, the lessons we talked about today of trusting your gut, again, reclaiming your authentic self, not being afraid to jump into the deep end and, you know, speak up for your truths. You know, those are things that we struggle with, but being able to see people put it into play the way that you are and to see the truth, you know, that speaks volume. So I honor you and I appreciate you sharing time with us and sharing your story so that all of us can continue to follow this path of strength and just beauty standing in our own authentic, authentic authenticity. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you all for listening and following with us today. Again, please reach out to Brittany in all the show notes. But remember, you know, as a working woman, every day isn't always filled with rainbows and unicorns, but no matter what is thrown your way, you've got this. So thank you so much for following the show. Remember, you can catch everything on my website, claracapano.com, and you can catch this wherever podcasts are seen and heard. Have a great day, everyone. 